0: And now back to your regularly scheduled programming. You are listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. the chasers of light, to the purveyors of pictures, to all of you listening around the world, this is the F11 Photography Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Deal, along with your other host, Mr. Brandon Gorey.
1: Ooh, it is so good to be back in
0: studio. 100%. Uh, in this nice air conditioning uh, with our like 100th straight day of 100 degree weather here in Austin, uh, I think people are going to start going crazy pretty soon.
1: You know, it's interesting because we can toil under the delusion that most of our audience members are from Texas, so they know what we're talking about. They know our gripes. But to those of you who, who live in a temperate zone where it's not 100, like gets up to 110 degrees with humidity, let me just say, AC is everything.
0: Yes, uh, I know those people uh, in like California and places like that where they're having unprecedented heat waves, people in Italy... And uh, some of these older infrastructures do not have air conditioning, and boy, I do not envy them. So, today's episode, we are going to be talking about funk. And no, I'm not talking about the Parliament Funkadelic or James Brown or anything like that. Not that kind of funk we're talking about, artistic funk, and how you're going to get out of your artistic funk methods to help you get out of your artistic funk. But first, we have a word from our sponsor. Our sponsor today is Luminar Neo. Harness the power of artificial intelligence with Luminar Neo. Artificial intelligence, AI, is a total buzzword for 2023, but it is an actual useful uh, module you can have inside Photoshop. You can use Luminar Neo. It's also a standalone plugin. You can use it with your favorite raw editor. Uh, If you're not the type of person who likes to go into menus and submenus and all that, Luminar has a beautiful graphic user interface with easy to use modules with large sliders and faders, very well labeled. And you can do things like a mask AI where it detects everything in your scene. It's like, that's a human, that's a train, that's an airplane, that's a skyscraper. That's a man-made road. And, It'll assign masks to each one, and that way, if you're just like, okay, I want to, like, make the street maybe have a little more clarity, or maybe I'm a natural light photographer, and I want to lift the shadows on my human subject because I didn't have a flash – you can totally do that. Uh, maybe you're a landscape photographer and uh, power lines are the bane of your existence, and you want to get rid of those because Ansel Adams uh, had an advantage over you, and that these power lines did not exist. And now you're stuck with these power lines in these national parks, and so uh, you go to the power line removal eraser You go to the power line removal eraser tool, and then it'll remove the power lines for you, which is really awesome. And then you can even do things like sky replacement, but. Unlike uh, Photoshop, this has way more sky replacements. It has uh, a lot more that you can do with the sky as far as moving the clouds around, changing the orientation, changing where the sun's coming from. Uh, And then, of course, they even have uh, sunbeams that you can control, the amount of uh, sunbeams, stars, all that stuff, the starburst, the amount of uh, uh, flares you have. It's just very in-depth Artificial intelligence software. And so if you go to the link in the description below or you go to check out and type in Kevin10, you can get 10% off your copy of Luminar Neo today. But today's episode, we are talking about getting out of an artistic funk. You know, a lot of times you get into the this role as an artist you're taking pictures everything's going smoothly you're just like yeah man i'm on a roll i'm killing it and then all of a sudden maybe something happens in your life or you hit a wall or whatever and then you have a hard time getting out of a funk. I personally had a funk that I was in. Uh, you know, when They say when you go on vacation, you come back refreshed and full of ideas. That tends to not be the case with me. I tend to get a train going with momentum. And then vacation breaks that momentum usually. And then I'm super unmotivated to get back into it when I get back. So it took me like... A month and a half to make another youtube video or it took me uh it took me a couple photo shoots before i really felt like i was hitting my stride so we're going to talk about these methods and uh, i'm going to kick it over to brandon because i want him to speak on this subject because this is something that's near and dear to his heart
1: yes the funk and the lack thereof the train the ebb and flow of creative consciousness that is rife within the creator's soul sometimes diminished by the constant weaving and backlashing of, all right, I think that's a little bit too deep to begin with. But yes, we all get into our funks where we're where we, we not operating as we'd like to as creatives. Our output and our input in the creative world are uneven, they're unbalanced, and we just overall find it very difficult to muster the courage, the energy, the ambition or even that that little sparkle that we like to rely on to push our creative endeavors. Now, what, what's funny to me is uh, how how often uh, the funk occurs in the community. And I don't mean that like we're all just you know uh, in funks. We're all just in creative ruts all the time. I don't mean that. I just mean that when you get to know a number of photographer friends or even just artistic friends is. Uh, you know, when you have coffee with them once a month or once every three months, or you're checking in with them, like you can tell sometimes they're up and they're just like, yeah, I just nailed all these things. I just got all these bookings. Like I'm testing out these new ideas and I'm pushing the ticket, um, in my own, in my own way, in my own rights as a, as a creative, as an artist. And then other times you get in touch with them and you're like, how you doing? And they're, uh, they'll just be like, yeah, you know, uh, I'm, I'm doing, And uh, I'm no stranger to that myself, is, you you know, we do get in ruts and we do sometimes um, find ourselves faced with a question, should I continue? Is this worth it? Uh, Am I really a photographer? Am I really an artist? Like, am I going anywhere with this? And uh, this isn't something that you move past once and for all. No, it is a cyclical thing and it's just a part of creating. In fact, it's funny is in every art, in every artist's artistic journey is they can look back and tell you exactly when their funks were and what they were about. It's like, it's like talking to a Vietnam vet. They're, you know, just like back in, back in 2018, I had the, I had the funk of poverty. It was like, it was the funk of transition from one state to another. I, I moved to Austin and I just couldn't find my way, and so every we have these like mental, uh, mentally documented funks that we we fall back on, and it's like I myself I remember I had this one funk. It was I was in college, and you know, granted in college I had a lot of micro funks as well, but I I had one big funk where where I I was starting my quote unquote career as a photographer and and videographer. And it, after after going through many different phases of, of editing photos, many different phases and and stylistic sort of choices, and and you know after the fifteenth time of saying, okay, this is my stylistic choice. This is who I am as a photographer. This is where this is what it is. Um, I finally couldn't uh, I finally just didn't want to take that anymore after reinventing myself as a photographer multiple times and I finally just imploded and didn't even know like what I wanted to do with the camera and it, it was like I was watching my work drift further and further away from. Who I was as a photographer, and uh, needless to say, I took a couple months hiatus from the camera, and I didn't even didn't even think about it. I didn't want to pick up the camera. I didn't even want to know the camera. I didn't think of myself as a photographer. I was just like, okay, I'll just do my classes, you know, go to a couple parties, and just do do the college student thing. And nevertheless, I I don't even know if that's the right transition word, but nevertheless. I moved back to the camera. I, I came back to it and I picked it up. And Bukowski had something to say about this kind of thing. Um, and it's very painful to hear if you're someone who wants to quote, be a photographer and are not someone who likes to take photos. Um, a lot of us, we wanna be artists, we wanna be creative, but if you're not just inherently, if it's not a, if it's not a beckoning that is inherent in who you are, uh, that's a problem, and Bukowski kind of illustrated it really well. He said something the, along along the lines of, "If you cannot live without writing, don't bother trying."
0: I think that's a a great quote, and I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it's cyclical. There are some mental things that you can tell yourself to, you know, kind of puts you in a better spot, which is if it is cyclical, the pendulum will eventually swing the other way. And so you have to tell yourself that, hey, this is going to end and it is going to be uh, better. And of course, what you do in the meantime is you have to figure out what works best for you as a person. Sometimes it's, it is a break. Like for me, for me, just a break with no inspiration isn't good for me. That's just not how I I work. I have to be inspired by something. So I did come up with some ideas when I was on my vacation. Um, in general, when I got back from vacation, I was super unmotivated to do anything, but, uh, I did go, I have this crazy idea. I want to work on based around like a diving helmet because I went to a dive museum. I went to the history of diving museum and, uh, isla mirada out in the keys I have, it did give me this creative idea i want to do based around fashion so i was like okay i'll write that down and when i'm inspired to actually pursue it i will and uh, I, I also am sitting on this idea because i don't want to put a model out in 108 degree heat right now so i'm aiming for september on that project but um you know i do get uh very unmotivated to create when i get back from vacation yes i'm well rested yes i'm reset i'm recalibrated that and i feel fresh and everything but that doesn't necessarily mean that i feel motivated to go out and uh, and and create and so um i have to have a breakthrough and I had to look for that breakthrough. And here's some methods that I do sometimes to get myself into uh, that breakthrough mode to, to be creative. The First and foremost, uh, I go to the path of least resistance for me, which is I, I go watch movies. Like, I watch movies that have cinematography that blows me away or just something creative, something that, like, it's the juices flowing in my creative brain. Usually it's a Quentin Tarantino movie because, you know, you watch, like, Kill Bill or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and watch how a being told. And by the way, if you're listening to this and you didn't get Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that's on you. That movie was fucking great. Um, and the Bruce Lee thing, there's a really good backstory behind it, so don't get offended by it. So, just saying. Uh, good story behind it. But uh, or I go pick up a Tashin book. I go, you know, pick up a, a book on Herb Ritz or, uh, you know, Helmut Newton or uh, Peter Lindbergh. I go find a photo where I'm just like, ah, OK, I'm, I'm, I'm getting the I'm getting the bug again. I want to go shoot, uh, you know, especially with Peter Lindbergh, because I'm, I'm, he's a hero of mine. Uh, so that's those are some ways that I, I get uh, motivated to go create again other ways I get motivated is I change my discipline within photography so I've spoken many times on this show about hey uh, I shoot other styles of photography which influence my main genre of photography which of course is of course portraiture I like to go shoot street photography and landscape photography uh, for the main reason I do that is that, of course, I just want to shoot landscape and street. But like my side motivation there is, I'm also scouting locations to get inspired to go shoot a portraiture session. So I could be in a, a rut shooting portraiture, and then I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna go shoot some street photography, and I'll just walk around with my my, my uh, 35 millimeter lens and you know storytelling lens and look around. And I'll be like, oh my gosh, I really love the architecture of this place. The only thing that's missing is a model. Okay, now all of a sudden. I'm thinking about which model I want to place in this setting. And now, right then and there, I'm coming up with a creative concept. I'm like, okay, how am I going to style it? Who am I going to get to be the makeup artist? And then those juices get flowing because I decided to keep on pushing through. Now, some people need to take breaks. As I've mentioned, breaks are harder for me. I'm a very prolific photographer. I'm always grinding. Even if I put out shit for a project, I grind that shit project out so I can go on to the next one. I have to stay. I'm like, I I, I guess I would equate myself to a shark. If a shark stops swimming, it dies sort of thing. Like that's how my creativity works that's just how I'm wired as a person is I have to keep creating even if I may, may have a, a dud I, it keeps me going I it keeps me in this spot and the second I take a break from it like I have to really work to get
1: myself back on track hey this is Vanessa Joy and you're listening to the f11 photography podcast the funks for me, and kind of what you described, is when I get into a funk, uh, it's it's kind of like it's a loading phase. Uh, when you go through so many, it stops. You know, you, you can kind of step out of it at least intellectually and go like, oh, okay, I'm not going to feel this forever. I know I'm not going to feel this forever because um, it's never lasted forever. So what can I do in this phase? And and the and the the, the quick and easy answer is stop. Uh, stop making, stop stop exploding uh, for me. Stop stop with the output if there's no input, um, because for me, uh, making work that is uninspired is almost is almost a vicious cycle. Is it makes me less inspired because now I feel inadequate as a photographer. So I treat these funk phases like a loading phase. And what the hell do I mean by that? Well, riffing off of Kevin, it is time to stop uh, forcing water out of a rock it's time to stop squeezing the lemon that has been squeezed thrice already and stop forcing yourself to make stuff when you are dry you cannot become an oasis when the well has not been dug so it's time to start digging and that involves for me watching movies It involves meditation because oftentimes if I'm in a rut creatively, I'm in a rut in all places. Um, because my creativity is directly linked with how I function in society. If I'm if I'm lacking that creativity, suddenly my verbal uh my verbal fluency sucks. Suddenly I'm not coming up with great ideas in my in my day to day. Like it's it's just a whole it's a whole thing. So for me it's it's watch movies. It's meet with people who aren't in a creative rut and listen to them talk about photography, listen to their ideas and let them just, you know, explode all over you um <laughs> kevin's looking what, at me. <laughs> what did you let, just say <laughs> <let> them, <laughs> you just gotta let let them ooze creativity and sunshine and happiness you're getting really
0: really out there with your uh your yeah your metaphor
1: yeah can you tell i'm not in a creative rut right now thank goodness it's easy to talk about ruts when you're not in one let me tell you it's it's visceral um but <laughs> explosions is, is aside, the explosion viscous no, it's actually, it's quite fluid. It, it, it seeps into all the cracks. <laughs> Damn, man, we might have to hit reset on this. Anyway, keep going. Anyways, anyways, yeah, it's a loading phase. Uh, one thing I like to do is I like to go to a museum. I like to talk to people. I like to absorb, watch new movies. You know, something I'll do is I'll go to the IMDb Top 100 and uh, I'll just pick a movie and be inspired by it. Uh, one of the most recent movies that has been just giving light and and lift under my wings is Eight and a Half by Federico Fellini. His movie is uh, is Eight and a Half, and it's it's a fever dream of consciousness. Uh, the intention of of the camera angles and the in the intention of what the director's trying to say is an ever changing um, seamless loop between. Uh, between daydreaming between reality and between actual dreaming uh, of a director who is himself in a creative ride.
0: Yeah, I uh, I guess I haven't touched up on the number one place I go to for inspiration, which it all ties into our very first episode of Meet the Hosts, which is my background, which is music. And so uh, you yeah, there's a uh, artists they're, they're my, my security blankets that I always go to, uh, Radiohead, Tool, Boards of Canada, those three artists in particular, uh, I can always go and and listen to. But there's a lot of other artists out there, a lot of Warp Records artists, drum and bass, uh, artists that inspire me. And uh, there's a new artist uh, that just recently uh, dropped an album called Bayonne. They're from Austin, actually. I didn't even realize that my... uh, my my phone said, "Hey, this suggested music for you," and I'm like, "Wow, this is incredible music!" And then, like, I looked them up. I was like, "Holy crap, they're from my own city!" But music in general uh, can help me out. And and back to like the um, the Quentin Tarantino example I use. One of the reasons I like uh, his work so much is it speaks to me on my work. I like juxtaposition. I like to take things that weren't really meant to go together and, and, and put them together. And I find a lot of his movies are like that, you know, a movie will be told out of, out of order. It'll be a revisionist history. It'll be like spaghetti Western music over like a Kung Fu, you know, samurai type movie. Uh, just things that you're like, huh, those go together well, but I didn't ever think those two things would go together well. And so that a lot of times, uh, gets to my core, as an artist and it's like now go find something uh, really beautiful and creative of maybe some things that weren't meant to go together and, and create and uh so i i do reference his his movies a lot but sometimes if i want more of a just crazy uh visual landscape of course you go to blade runner that's always a go-to,
1: man. Blade Runner is such a sipper, and it's such an inherently melancholy movie that when you are in a rut, it's almost like it's almost like doctor's orders to just watch Blade Runner, uh, the nineteen eighty-five ex- uh, director's cut. Yes, but originally
0: released, I believe, in eighty-two.
1: In eighty-two, yeah, and then of course you know indulge in the Ryan Gosling um, extension of that movie. In what was it, twenty forty-nine? Is that what it was? Something like that something like that. Yeah. Adding to adding to Kevin's point is Kevin and I we have a we have a similar uh taste and affinity for for juxtaposition in art and I myself I I like to read and and look at Helmut Newton's work uh because it's what inspires me. Now, something important to note is when you're in a rut, it's really important to be around art and media and to indulge in art and media that resonates with you and you don't necessarily have to explain why it resonates with you but you 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 want to be in a place where you can recognize yourself and and your core foundations um when you when when you're not in a rut and you're trying to you know explode creatively and you're trying to just you know do just output on output oftentimes you're not only expressing yourself but you are reaching for something as well you're reaching for the the next version of yourself the the next step where your work is just that bit better there's that bit more creative inspiration going into it there's that bit more editing talent going into it your eye has been developed and you can tell that after this rut okay this is a new me, not only because you're feeling better, but because you've taken that time to reframe the level of work that you want to put out. And nothing will help you reframe the level of work you want to put out than filling your world with stuff that resonates with you. And you don't have to explain to yourself why it does. You don't have to categorize any of that stuff. For me, I can't tell you why Dostoevsky makes sense to me, but reading it, it does. I can't tell you why the you know Eastern European brutalist like dark, decrepit, you know stuff void of warmth uh, resonates with me, but it does. And where it it can put others in a bad mood, it can make them melancholy and 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 whatnot. For me, it gives me space and clarity. Um, to sort of let those thoughts, uh, let those creative thoughts come back in. It's like a forest fire. Being in a being in a rut is like a forest fire. It is you burn the whole thing down into a desolate wasteland where there is nothing, and there's nothing for days. There's nothing for weeks, and then slowly but surely, all that dead, all the dead bark, all the all the deadness becomes nutrients that seeps into the earth, and that wasteland. On the outside is looking dull. It's empty, it's 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 vast and it's void. But very, very slowly things start budding, animals start coming back, things start sprouting, and they're new and they're reborn, and we are the same exact way when we come back from a run. So welcome to our
0: podcast on Chernobyl. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know what the half-life is on your metaphor, but, uh,
1: I'm dragging uh, you down with me. This is my world. (laughs)
0: Well, you, you speak to something, uh, that I, even though I'm not into like brutalist dark stuff, one thing that you do touch up on, I, I do like looking at it. I don't like creating it, but, uh, I think a lot of us can't put into words why we like something, why we want to do something. And that's why we're photographers. If we, if we could put this into words as elaborate as this visual landscape is for us, we'd be writers and we're not, we're photographers. I think the people out there who, uh, can take all that stuff you were just talking about with that, that whole scene that you set with that whole brutalist thing going on, uh, if they could write about it, they would. But we don't, so we take pictures of it, and uh, yeah, that's that's the best way I can describe it.
1: This is Andy Fam, and you're listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. That circles us back to round back around to you. You have to revisit yourself and why you started photography. Because if you're not shooting for yourself, you're shooting for something else, or you you might even be shooting for for an ideal self that you haven't reached yet or that is just so far beyond who you naturally are that it becomes taxing and burdensome to even be a photographer
0: well i find that the one thing that does keep me going and this is part of the reason why i've gotten into photography it's part of the reason why i'm a gearhead is i want to learn in addition to creating beautiful artistic shots i want to learn as much about photography as i can before i can no longer learn you know and so Uh, I will, I'll sit there and I'll just think like, well, what have I not done? What kind of like, you know, I, I shoot people of different skin types, ethnic backgrounds and all that, not because I'm trying to be some politically correct person. Although it is important to me that anybody looks at my portfolio and says, Oh, he'd work with me. That's totally important to me. But it's also the, I want to learn how to do it because I want to know how to do it. Like, like if you shoot a particular type of skin, like darker skin, is different under lights than lighter skin it is. And so uh, there's that motivation that driving me, even if I may not like hit some crazy artistic peak during a shoot that I have when I'm testing, I, st- I still very well may uh, discover something new about photography that I didn't know before I, I, I do that. So like one thing that I do, it's kind of to help me keep the, the, the um my artistic wheels turning is I'll uh, put together a project. Let's say I'm I'm working with an agency model. So they've seen my storyboard. They've seen my call sheet and all that. And we go and we shoot. uh, We knock out what we set out to do for the agency. I even get some of my creative stuff done. But then something that I always do, especially with environmental portraits, I will try a particular type of portrait out with a model at this, you know, on a whim, on a crazy idea that I do. And oftentimes I'll fail but it was like my tertiary goal. So I don't care that I failed at it, but I still look at those pictures and I go, okay, how can I improve upon this? The next time I take a model out to this particular location. now I've tried shots two or three times at different models. And I would always make it like my third priority. The next time I go to that spot, I'll make it my third priority with a model. Uh, I'll, we'll still go out to set out what either the agency or what I need to accomplish for the main portion of the shoot. And then I try this third idea. And then usually by the second or third time I try this idea, I found the right model, the right kind of lighting and everything for this one particular idea. And then the model and the agency will go, yeah, we set out to do this and this, but this other thing that you didn't tell us about that you, you you did is like, that's the shot. And it's like, yes, because I've been working on this shot for a few shoots. I didn't have the right model for it. I knew I didn't have the right model for it likely when I originally attempted it, but I still wanted to just see kind of how it framed out and what it looked like. And I have a lot of really uh, awesome ideas that I haven't executed yet because I just, I, I, I keep building on the idea. I'm like, Oh, what if I add this, uh, prop to the shoot or whatever. And so I keep, it's almost like I'm, I'm using test models, uh, you know, to do test runs of a shoot that I'm going to do in the future and that I want to knock out, but I always tuck it, in the back, it's like something that oh, I'm just going to try a few shots of this real quick, and so they don't even. A lot of times, they don't even remember that we did it because I make it such a insignificant point. But maybe the biggest thing I take out of the shoot is I have this big idea I'm building on for the future, and. When I finally, uh, when all the stars align for it, I'm like, okay, I, f- I know who the model is going to be. I know who the stylist is going to be. I know who the makeup artist is going to be. I know what I want to have happen here. I know what time of day I want to shoot it on. And that's where a lot of my inspiration for some of my best executed idea- ideas comes from.
1: And sometimes... What's interesting is you can come out of a rut with with all your loading, with all the art that you've seen and, and everything you've been absorbing as inspiration, and sometimes you come out of a rut and you just decide to create because because why not? You know, you, you've you got a new inspiration and maybe you're not even putting that level of pressure on yourself and you're just like, you know what, I want to go back to my roots. I just want to create just for creation's sake and not, you know, burden myself with logistical parameters of like scheduling and all this stuff. And you just get your homie, you get you get a model that you're close with, um, you, you get someone that you can create freely around and you just say, hey, you want to go to this location and just see what we can get? And you'll find that it's, it's absolutely amazing. You'll find that um, you may take a shot during that session where you're there with that model and you'll find that you're actually, you've improved just subconsciously without any intention, without any crazy, crazy um, forementioned ideas that you have just improved and that you absorbing stuff that inspires you, stuff that resonates with you actually improves your eye. It improves how you approach photography, because there's a lot of mechanisms at work that we can't always control. You know, we can plan out a shoot. We can we can have every intention. And yet in the moment when something strikes us and we see something and feel something new, uh, the only thing we can do is shoot it. We're at the mercy of our inclinations creatively at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. And another thing I've noticed that has worked for me getting out of ruts, uh, you know, for some people, or at least for me anyway, it's, Hey, just go shoot. Sometimes you got to shoot your way out of it. It's like I use a sports analogy. Cause I watch a lot of sports. I especially watch a lot of NBA basketball. And a lot of times when a, a NBA player is in a shooting rut, they shoot shooters shoot and they shoot themselves out of a rut. Well, we shoot on, you know, we shoot on cameras, but uh, I find that uh, I can shoot myself out of a rut and you know, we've talked about this in past episodes, the balance between planning and spontaneity always approach a shoot with a a plan, but allow spontaneity to happen as well. Because oftentimes it's that shot you didn't plan on. It's that shot. You put zero, uh, planning into that ends up being the shot. And so sometimes something like that can pull you out of an artistic rut. You take some extraordinary shot for your portfolio that was completely, uh, spontaneous, but it all of a sudden rekindles that, uh, that spark. We'll go with our, um, we'll go with our brutalist, uh, uh, Chernobyl example. It's the nuclear reactor where the plutonium hits the core and it starts creating a chain reaction of E equals MC squared. No, no. So you're you're not feeling
1: be, that one. It's, it's there. It's, it's there in spirit. It was just a shout out to Oppenheimer. So. Yeah, that was, I, I enjoyed that movie. Oh, I thought it was great. Uh,
0: but yeah, spontaneity versus planning uh you know i'm i'm the type of person i like i like to plan things out i like them to go as planned but i also uh i'm a huge fan of jazz uh my favorite music artist of all time is john coltrane and if you've ever listened to john coltrane's saxophone licks uh they were just on in the moment it's like hey who are you as a person like improvise it and it's like oh wow you're very complex so uh you know, sometimes that's the way to go. And sometimes that's where you'll find it. But you, the key is you have to be, you have to pay attention. You have to pay attention to those moments. It's like, it's like, uh, you know, when you're taking a picture of somebody, whether you, know, maybe you're a wedding photographer and you're waiting uh, for uh, the right moments to hit that candid shot or whatnot, you know, getting them in that moment. Uh, you really do have to, you really do have to allow things to come to you, but you also have to be paying attention to what is coming to you or you could miss it.
1: You are listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. Kevin made a great point, is that things that come to you, they're, you know, they're subconscious based. And a lot of a lot of what we do like that, we do our best stuff subconsciously. Um, You know, it's Kevin's got two decades of photography behind him. I've I'm, I'm coming up on my first decade here. And if there's something I've learned, it's that I know how to take a photo uh, if, you know, you put me in pretty much any situation and I can, I can take a photo that, um, I can look at and, and just go like, yeah, that's a photo. It's not my usual work, but that's definitely, that's definitely a photo. And I think I made the most of the situation. Um, why, why is that a thing? Because of how many hours, uh, Kevin and I have put into our craft. And something you cannot escape, thank goodness, is that when you're out of uh, when you're out of mental steam and when you're out of uh, intention, um, uh, consciously, your subconscious at the end of the day knows how to take a photo, and and that's kind of like that's tying it back to the loading phase and and to the just go shoot phase. Is I think that's why you can shoot your way out of a rut because at the end of the day, like you you go out and you just decide, decide to go shooting or do some street photography is. You don't have that planning or that forethought. You're literally just letting the environment instruct you because you already know how to do it. You know how to line up your shots. You know how to work with geometry and black and white and in color. It's it's all there. You just have to remind yourself that in in a, in a blank slate environment, you can and will operate freely and creatively. Um,
0: on that subject of mental bandwidth, something that I do want to talk about and I'm going to bring it back to gear. Uh, a lot of people they're afraid to read their manuals. They're afraid to learn their cameras inside and out. But I will tell you what a benefit of learning your camera inside and out is. There is a finite amount of bandwidth you can devote toward a project, and things compete for that artistic bandwidth. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to stay inspired if you don't even know how to operate your equipment, right? And so you want to give up. Learn your camera and go play, go shoot with it, go have fun. It's, um, you know, when we had Vanessa joy in here, we were on a tangent of, Oh, it's not the equipment. It's the photographer. But Brandon pushed back on it. Brandon pushed back on it and asked Vanessa if she had, uh, uh, something, you know, that would counter that, that idea. And she did, she said, Hey, the autofocus on my Canon cameras is so, uh, so easy to use that I don't have to think about it. And that's something to keep in mind is, You know, yes, at the end of the day, your artistic uh, thoughts are your artistic thoughts, your creations are your creations, but does something impede you from getting there? And if your equipment impedes you from getting there, you know, find something that speaks to you. That doesn't mean go get the latest and greatest everything, it's find something that's comfortable for you. Find something where you can easily find the buttons the way you need to, to where it's not even something that you think about. So, part of the reason why I shoot on Canon cameras is uh, for my projects where I need everything to be perfect is because the ergonomics on it is so easy to use and the autofocus on it is more or less a cheat code that I don't think about any of that. All I have to do is push the shutter release when I'm ready to go and then I can focus the rest of my bandwidth on framing my shot, making sure my exposure is right, and then really focusing on the moment of what I'm trying to shoot. Now, some of my other cameras that I use, it's not quite that simple, but the payoffs are there. Like my Fuji GFX, it's really a pain in the ass to focus on that camera. Uh, I really, I really struggle with that camera, but when you nail with it, it's always a portfolio shot. It is like, if somebody wants me to get the absolute very best I can get, I'm going to shoot on my Fuji. It's going to look beautiful. And then of course you shoot on film. It's, uh, that, that that that's a whole other thing. You, a lot of times you're operating something that's 50 years old and you, you, it does take up some of your mental bandwidth. But it really is about learn your equipment to the point where you don't think about your equipment because if you are thinking about your equipment, you may very well have the wrong tool for the job.
1: That's why I love my Nikon F2. It is it is such a beautiful and well put together camera that... It's it's one of the few film cameras I think I'll ever own where I I just don't think about it and I just I just go shoot like the ease of access for shooting is is amazing and the experience using that camera definitely lives up to its reputation. But on the subject of, of equipment and ease of access and mental bandwidth is is is, is it's exactly right is. Um, when you when you come to the end of your creative string as well, when you when you can sense that you're about to dive bomb into a rut, you'll also notice that, that the camera starts getting in the way a little bit. And like, what do I mean by that? Is is you start asking that your camera uh, does more of the work, so you start trying to do new things to to even inspire you before you get into that rut. And then, like, by the time you notice that nothing's really helped, you're already there, uh, which is really unfortunate but getting getting out of your rut um i've noticed that when i when i come into new creative inspiration the my focus isn't even on the camera it's not it's it's not really on the lens it's kind of just like i i know what the camera's going to shoot i know how it's going to see the image i even like i even know how it's going to interpret uh, the, the lights and shadows because I'm just so used to the the Nikon sensor at this point and so it really just becomes a question of like all right I can put my camera down on the table in the middle of a shoot and I can now just focus on what I want this scene to look like and I'm a very hands-on photographer and I, I don't mean that literally in that I you know if, if I've got a female model I'm going to go over there and just unsolicited like touch her hair absolutely not but what I do mean is that I do like to look at the scene and I do like to make changes and I do like to, to perfect the shot. And I'm in a very, I get to a very happy zone, a very excited and thrilled zone when I can uh, be a part of the set build, when I can, when I can make the ideation, when I can uh, instruct the model to, to work into a pose that uh, that I have my full mental bandwidth to sort of uh, scheme out. Uh, I think a large part of, of, even creating great work once you're out of a rut is just putting the camera down you know you start realizing that you don't need to be beholden to this tool that is actually taking the photos because the most important tool at the end of the day is the shot that you see and the photographer's eye itself
0: yes that reminds me of a a great uh, interview I saw with Greg Gorman, who is an incredible photographer based out of Los Angeles, shoots a lot of uh, movie poster covers. Big inspiration on me, celebrity photographer, love his work. But something that he said that really resume- resonated with me that fits into this conversation and fits into what you just said is: put the camera down, spend ninety percent of your time talking to the model, evaluating your scene, getting everything ready, getting them comfortable. Because ultimately, if you're going to capture that magic, those micro things that happen, uh, the model has to be, and uh, or you know, even if they're not a professional model, maybe they're just a uh, somebody who's coming in who wants like their headshot done or something like that. If you're gonna capture that magic moment that's gonna elevate that shot to the next level, if you're sitting there holding your camera the whole time and feel, fiddling about with your settings and not getting the talent comfortable with the situation. You're probably not going to take your work to that point. That's going to get you out of that artistic rut, and so it's about making the subject comfortable, and it's also about making sure that you understand what the the assignment is. Because once again, we had that discussion of uh, everything second nature. You're not really thinking about it. You're immersed in the outcome, and if you are immersed in the outcome. That means that the bandwidth you're spending toward envisioning the outcome, putting together the outcome, it's going to be 90% uh, with the camera not even being picked up and you're, you're really evaluating the scene and what needs to happen. And then, and only then when you're ready, you pick up the camera and you execute the assignment.
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. There's a voice crack. I hope, I hope Kevin cuts that. He probably won't though.
0: He sounds like he's 13. I'm totally keeping that.
1: Yep. Alrighty. So So, uh, you know, to go over some actionable items, you know, we can talk about the the abstract, which is a place that I often live that's all well and good. I think we all know that at this point, if you're uh, if you're fans of the podcast, but some actionable items to talk about when you're in the right um, that are more universal than anything is movement that's the number one and it's it's it is everything so when you're in a rut you're going to do one of two things and everyone does one of two things this is in this is unavoidable you're either one or you're two and the first thing is when you're in a rut uh, most likely it's going to be pervasive in other parts of your life so one you are either an escape artist which is number one or two you're a shark you're a swimmer now the one yeah so kevin's kevin's a shark Now the first person, when you get in a rut, you you escape. You indulge in dopaminergic activities to distract you from the rut until your brain finally just somehow crawls its way back into that Uh, creative season. Um, As someone who used to be that guy, I really fucking don't recommend it because that sort of mentality means that you are an absolute slave to circumstance and refuse to make an impact on your own life. Now, if you're someone who is naturally and inherently that way, uh, uh, I got news for you. It's a muscle to flex. It is something, it is a skill that you learn picking yourself up from your bootstraps. And number two, if you're a shark that keeps swimming, well, you, then it's, it's just a matter of habits, a matter of practice, practicing and optimizing the movements and the actions that get you out of the rut and maybe trying different things. But getting back to the movements, uh, I just wanted to clarify those two different different types of people is here are some actionable items that can get you out of a rut um, under the pretext that you have to move to get out of a rut uh, if you want to get out of it. Uh, number one, go for a walk, exercise, if you're, if you're, if you're a gym guy, go to the gym. If you're not a gym guy, if you're not a sports guy, if you hated jocks going to high school, I don't, you know, it doesn't matter. Get out and go for a walk, go for a swim, go for a jog, do jumping jacks, get into the sunlight and get good sleep. Uh, I, I'm just going to move that to the second one. Like if you're not sleeping, and if you're the type of person that, um, I think it's totally cool to just like stay up till 2:30 a.m. like on your phone or like on Reddit or watching movies or even playing video games as fun as that is uh that's going to prolong your run um because you've only got so many dopamine tokens throughout your day. And if you're spending all those tokens on escapism, guess what? You're prolonging your rut because you're never going to figure it out. It'll just You'll just be waiting for the golden ticket day where you, your brain's just like, oh, okay, I guess we're not in a rut anymore. And you're just like, oh, cool. Two months have gone by. And uh, I did nothing to expedite that process. Number three, uh, diet, uh, I got news for you. If you're, if you're drinking soda, if you're constantly, you know, drinking sugar, snacky foods, or if you're the type of person that has one meal a day, because they're just, uh, they're just, they've got so much caffeine or they're just vaping constantly and they have no appetite. I got news for you. That is not going to help. Uh, that is, it is a doctor proven thing. It's, it's, you look at any health podcast or anyone whatsoever. I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to, you know, pretend that I am, but as someone who, um, has it has a lot of experience in hedonistic activities and and just chasing dopamine to exorbitant extents uh guess what it's not going to help uh drink water and if you feel any urges to do anything dopaminergic take a cold shower or go for a walk and I, I guarantee you it'll put your mind in a better spot and last but not least um Number four is talk to people. Oftentimes, you're, if you're in a rut, you're, you're probably feeling a little bit more isolated and um, and you kind of rescind into your own self. And I got to say, like, just bite the bullet, go out and be around people, go to a cafe, invite a, invite a friend to a cafe. Even if you know that you're not going to have much to say and you're kind of just creatively perplexed. Just get out and get that movement, get the blood flowing uh, conversationally, because it is a net positive. All these things are a net positive, even if you're going to suck at them at the moment.
0: I will say, though, once you get into your artistic groove, follow a lot of stuff Brandon said, but there's two that when I get into an artistic groove that I avoid. One of them I don't avoid. and one of this I had one of these I had to do when I was younger. But when I would get into a really big artistic moment, I would create until like five in the morning. I would just go until I was ready until my until my battery was like, okay, you're done. Go to sleep. That was back when I used to write music. I would in order for me to write music, I would have to put myself into a somewhat selfish situation of I more or less lock myself in the room so I wouldn't be around people and I would just be in my spot. And I would, like, get home from class, you know, get home. i get out of my classes at, like, 2 o'clock because I was a senior at this point in college, and so I didn't have that many classes. I'd be done by 2 p.m. And on a day off, I used to work at a Chinese restaurant as a waiter. And when I would get back, I would just lock myself from, like, 2 p.m. till, like, 5 a.m. the next morning. I would just write music, and i just write music and just keep going and keep going and keep grinding. And that's how I'd pump out my best work. Uh, now, uh, I'm not saying it was probably hundred percent healthy from a physical standpoint, but it was absolutely uh, rewarding from a mental standpoint. Um, Some of that was me being naive and young. And of course, when you're younger, your body can handle a hell of a lot more. I, I couldn't do that if I wanted to right now. Like me personally, like, let me tell you what happens when you get older. So like when you're younger, it's like, Oh yeah, it's uh it's Friday night. What are you going to do on Friday night? Well, uh, I am married with children and you know, I'm a busy guy. And so by Friday, the entire week has caught up with me, and you know what I do at about 10 p.m. on Friday? I go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I am the, I'm the most boring human being in the world. So that your body changes over time. So wherever your body is right now, that will kind of determine which of this advice makes the most sense. But uh, you know, the shark type, me being the shark type who has to bang stuff out. I'm just saying like when I was younger that that was how I would make my best work. is I would just grind, 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 grind until it's like, okay, I need to go to bed.
1: Oh, I could totally speak on that. It was, yeah, I'm, I'm not elastic. Like I used to be. Um, I, I also go to sleep. I went to sleep on Friday at 10 30 PM, 10 30 PM. It's you're
0: insane. ahead of your time. You're almost, you're, you're like, you're like almost a little over half my age, but uh, you're starting, you're starting to learn the ways of the force.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, I got a head start. I've, I've spent, plenty of evenings uh, until until 7 a.m hopped up on god knows what at, at the after party underground you know special dj event i've done plenty of that so i don't need to repeat it um but I am definitely guilty. I, I know what you're talking about that, you know, being 19, I used to uh, at college on school nights, I'd stay up till three, four or five in the morning with a pot of coffee next to my tiny little dorm room desk and I'd just be developing and scanning film. I'd be editing photos till three or four or five a.m. I'd be looking up, you know, like YouTube stuff on editing techniques while while blasting Dutch hardstyle through my headphones and, you know, until the wee hours crawling into bed, not giving, you know, not giving a care in the world, knowing that my next meal was going to be at like 7 p.m. It's just, it, it's just raw freedom, but it's so taxing.
0: It's the feeling we're chasing is that, it's the catching the lightning in a bottle. Like you know it when you when you find it. As an artist, if you're listening to this, you you know the feeling, and so that's why when I was younger and more able-bodied, I would grind it out till five in the morning because like, oh my gosh, I I don't know how long this is going to last, so I need to make sure I squeeze every ounce of this creative t- the creativity out of this moment because for all I know that next uh, artistic rut is right around the corner. That does it for today's episode. We thank each and every one of you for listening. Uh, Check us out at f11pod.com You can of course check out all of our uh, back episodes because you'll hear us reference other episodes on Apple and Spotify. Of course, if you're listening to us, you're probably on one of those two platforms already. But we do have a back catalog we highly encourage you to check out. And if you love this pod, we highly encourage you to leave a five-star review because it gives us more visibility, and it helps us grow. But until next time, chase light, not algorithms. Thank you for listening to today's episode. For more information about this podcast, go to www.f11pod.com.